So we're looking at this idea of four convictions um, that change the world. Four things that if you actually believe them to the core of your being, in the deepest place of knowing that you know, you know, you know, you know, it would actually change everything. So there's a difference between kind of understanding it a little bit and really knowing it and being deeply convicted of it. And last week, um, Troy talked a little bit about the idea of God is good. And if you knew, you knew, you knew, you knew that you knew it deep in the core of your being, it would change everything. And this week, I'm going to talk about the idea of knowing who I am, knowing who I truly am, and knowing who I truly am in God. Uh, And it would actually change everything if you really knew it in the deepest part of your knower. You just, that's a word, I made that up. We're looking at the book of Ephesians. If you've got Bible, if you want to look it up on your little app, I will not think that you are Facebooking or tweeting how awesome I am. I'm not sure. But you can look it up uh, on there and follow through in Ephesians. The idea of belonging is actually so important. The idea of belonging and our identity, particularly in our society today, this, this issue of, I don't know if I belong. You know, I don't know if I belong in this family. I don't know if I belong in this area. I don't know if I belong in this job. I actually can't work out where I belong. It's actually really quite a big question for us today. There's this new idea that I just came across a couple of weeks ago, last week actually. It's called hyper-individualism. It's the idea that the pendulum has swung so much towards individualism that actually the individual is the only thing that counts. My needs are the only thing that counts so much so that it is okay for me to climb over somebody else in order to meet my own needs or to avoid responsibility in order to meet my own needs and become the person I really need to be, that I'm really meant to be. And it's such a pendulum swing. And it actually it takes us away from our identity and from knowing who I really am because we actually need to understand that in terms of belonging. Uh, And this idea of loneliness, it's actually a massive issue for us in the world today. And you don't have to be alone to feel lonely. You can actually be right in the centre of a big circle of people and feel very, very alone. And they're all wrapped up together. Who am I? Where do I fit? Where do I belong? What's my place? What's my identity? I actually think they all kind of wrap together. Here's a really important thing. Ready? As we're looking at our phones, this is a big issue. The reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlights reel. So when you are there scrolling through Facebook or reading people's Twitter things or looking at at their Instagram photos or whatever it is or whatever other cool new thing that I don't even know about out there, um, when you're looking at that, you are only looking at people's highlights reel. You're just looking at the best top, 1% of what's going on in their life. There's someone that I follow on Facebook and this person always, without a doubt, posts the hard stuff just as much as she posts the good stuff. And I love that and it reminds me sometimes I I have to post when I didn't get something right or when something was gonna be awesome and it turned out to be rubbish because my life is not just the highlights reel. And it actually goes to play about who we understand ourselves to be, how we understand our identity. Uh, And I think the best place to look for our identity is in God. So I'm going to answer the question, who am I? Now, I may have banged on about this before. 
but I'm going to tell it again because it's actually key to my identity and I can't stand on this platform and not tell this story. But I actually didn't always know who I was. Ready? Oh, that was the worst response ever. Yeah, ready? On the count of three, you go, oh, ready? One, two, three. Oh, that's me. Okay, so that's me when I was five weeks old and I was, I had just been adopted. I had just been picked up and taken home to the family that I was now going to belong to. So at five weeks, before that, I didn't belong to anybody. I wasn't, uh, I didn't belong to anybody, I actually wasn't named uh, in those five weeks previous. I was just kind of in a hospital and they cared and tended for my needs. Different nurse, every shift, whatever it was, was going on. And I didn't actually know who I was. I've brought some special papers with me just to prove to you. So uh, this one, this is actually the my order of adoption. And it actually says on there, um, Christian name or names unnamed. I was an unnamed female. That's, that's pretty generous, isn't it? Uh, so that's my adoption order. And... Uh, this one here, this is, a, this is a copy of a document that was written and it actually says, um, the signatures who are here below, to see and take charge of the baby whose particulars are shown overly for the purposes of adoption. Okay, so these are sort of really technical official papers. And this, uh, this last one, it actually says here, um, I wish to advise that uh, Mr and Mrs Long of such and such a place in New South Wales have been selected to take care of the unnamed baby coats, female born on the 8th of the 10th, 1974. I was adopted and I've got the papers to prove it. I actually went and belonged to that family. put them back in my little book because they're important to me. They're important proof of who I am and where I've come from. You see, there's this idea that God actually chose us So you can imagine when I decided at about 17 to begin to follow Jesus and I would go along and I would hear people talk about Jesus and I would hear people open the Bible and they would talk to me about God and who he was. When I pounced upon the verses that talk about being adopted into God's family, guaranteed I knew what they meant. I totally understood it and I I embedded myself into that knowledge, into that information that I was part of God's family. It actually redefined who I understood myself to be. Uh, So here's this passage from Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. He chose us in him before the world was made so as to be holy and blameless before him in love. God chose us. A bit like when Mrs. Tui got out of the car, she walked up, she said, you got some place to be? Don't lie to me. And he went, "Mm -mm." and she chose him. She said, get in the car. Come on. Make room, SJ. I'll come to that later. Make room, SJ. And and Mr. Tui says, where are we going? And she says, home. God chose us. God chose us from the very beginning. And then it says, he foreordained us for himself to be adopted as sons and daughters, through Jesus the King. That's how he wanted it. That's what gave him delight. He actually adopted us. Not everybody's cool enough to say they've been adopted twice. 
yeah, now you're jealous. It was God's plan all along. God is good. It was his plan all along. God is good. Now, this idea of being adopted, when I was that little five-week-old baby and my family came in with a bit of paper that said, there's a girl, there's a girl, there's a girl, there's a girl, and she's five weeks old and she was born on the 8th of October and we've been given permission to take her home. They didn't come in and look at all the babies and go, give us your credentials. What do you bring to this deal? What do you bring, little tiny baby, to this transaction? They didn't because the one who's being adopted doesn't bring anything to the deal. That's really important. When God actually looked out, he didn't say, oh, you'll be good and you'll be good. Oh, I can see that you bring a lot to the deal. He looked out and he saw the lost child. He saw the needs of the individual and his father heart broke just like Mrs. Tui, when she looked at Mike, she saw his needs. She did not see what he would bring to the family. She saw his needs and she said, I think, I think my heart is broken. I need to act. And that's exactly what God did. No one adopts a child for what they bring to the deal. God adopted us because he saw what we needed and his heart was broken for us. And we need a heavenly father and all the riches that he brings to actually bring us into his family. So there's this, this word in here. Um, I'll go back. You see it there? Uh, in him. See that? In him. And then again, um, for adopted, that's, oh, it's not in that one. It's in the next one. In him. Okay? There's this idea of in him. So when God actually created the entire universe, he actually had a plan to bring us back in him, through him, by him. Who's the him? Jesus. He actually had this plan all the way along. In Jesus, he would actually bring it all together. He would solve the whole problem. He would fix the whole situation. He would bring the chaos of the world back into order. He would bring the, the lost children back to himself through the person of Jesus. And the beautiful thing of actually knowing that it was Jesus' life, death and resurrection that caused us to be adopted means that whatever is true for Jesus now becomes true for us. So we are actually found in him. That's a really important statement in this to understand. He was God's solution to bring us back and we are found in him. Now... The next one, in verse 11, it says, in him, now that we all know what that means, we've received the inheritance. We were foreordained to this according to the intention of the one who does all things in accordance with the counsel of his purpose. So that bit, in accordance with the counsel of his purpose, like in line with his great idea, because he's like all super wisdom, right? We were foreordained to this according to the intention of the one who does this. We've received an inheritance. Now... Uh, 30 years ago, that's actually more now, probably about 10 years ago, Dave and I received an inheritance that had been 30 years in the making. So someone passed away 30 years beforehand, set up for us to receive an inheritance, but it took 30 years 
for the uh, for it all to work out and to actually land to us. And it, it landed at just the right time, this amazing inheritance. But it was his grandfather who'd passed away 30 years ago who'd left some finances to Dave. And, and it actually took all this time to actually land for us. So when it says in here, in him we have received the inheritance, are you all like, oh, what's the inheritance? What could it be? What's this inheritance that we've been given? Because that's actually quite important. So thinking about this idea of um, receiving an inheritance and knowing that we're adopted and knowing that we're part of God's family, actually this is quite important. You see, I think God knew that we would doubt it. I think God knew that we would question and wonder, am I really part of your family? So he actually said, yes, in fact, I'll prove the point by making you part of the inheritance. Years ago, uh, probably when I was about 16 or 17, my grandfather sat me down, my pa, the family that had taken me in and I was theirs and they were my family. He sat me down and, uh, and he said, I've got a really difficult thing I need to talk to you about. We've just, we've just revised our will and I need to tell you what's written in it because I don't want you to be upset. And I said, okay. And so he said, in our will, we've actually stated our two adopted grandchildren and named me and my brother. And he said, I want you to know that we didn't put those words in there so that you would feel like, oh, we're just pointing the fact that you're adopted. He said, I wanted to put it in there to guarantee your inheritance. I wanted it to never be able to be questioned. I wanted there to never be able to be anyone who could contest it, who would say, oh, look, it says that for their grandchildren, but not the adopted ones, just the real ones. And my grandfather said, no, 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 it will never be contested. I'm putting it in writing. They are included in this. And I reckon that's exactly what God's done. I reckon that's exactly what God's done. He has said, you are mine and I am yours. You are part of my family. I'm going to guarantee it. And just in case you're ever wondering... I'm going to put you in the inheritance. I'm going to make it in writing. It actually says um, he gives us a seal of inheritance, a guarantee, this idea. And it actually says, in him you were marked out with the spirit of promise, the Holy One. The spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the time when the people who are God's special possession are finally reclaimed and freed. So when I'm walking down the street and I'm saying, I don't know if I really belong to God's family, then the guarantee, who is the seal, whispers in my ear, yes, you are, yes, you are. Don't ever doubt it, yes, you are. Um, when, I was, when I was a teenager, actually probably a bit younger, when I was a child, um, hanging out with, with cousins and at the time, I thought they were like cousins. Turns out they were like second or third cousins or something like that. But I remember one day playing cricket with them in the driveway uh, and I wanted to join the team. And one of them said, you can't join the team because you're not a real cousin. And in my heart, I went, it's because I'm adopted. It's because I'm adopted. And I remember carrying that with me for the longest time. Now, I've had to actually unpack my thinking because I actually met that cousin not that long ago. Osteo, up the road, fixed my shoulder. 
and we're chatting about all sorts of things. And then I mention something about me being adopted and she's like, oh, I never knew that. Oh. So I, I think she just meant like I'm a third cousin, not like a first cousin because all the cousins... Ha- and I actually had to unpack it and re-understand how I had interpreted it. And I think that's why God gave us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, his very presence in our lives to remind us again and again and again and again and again, you are in the family. You are in the family. You are part of the family. When we're in doubt, he whispers in our ear and he tells us. Now, I think it's really important to recognise that this idea of being adopted and being a part of God's family is not just a great analogy for us to understand what what we did, what God did. It's not just a wonderful parallel so that we can kind of get the concept of what God did. Um, It's not just a great idea for us to understand the story. I actually believe it's an actual construct that God wants us to live in. I actually think that's actually how God wants to roll out his plan in the world is through this idea of belonging to his family. We're meant to be part of his family. He intends for us to be his, our father. We are his beloved and we don't need to earn our place. So the little baby who gets adopted brings nothing to the deal and yet somehow when we think we're adopted into God's family, we have to earn it. Actually, we don't. It's just a gift. It's just what he offers. I, uh, I was thinking a little bit about this and I was thinking about the fact that I'm actually quite cool because not only am I adopted, but so is Jesus. Mary, Joseph, that whole... If, if it was good enough for God to say, and I will send my son and he will grow up and live and die and be and that whole story and Joseph was part of that scene of actually adopting God in, uh, Jesus into his family, I actually think that it's quite a big story for God, that whole idea of this construct of family. You see, the world actually thinks that family is quite important. They think it might be part of the solution. They think that family and the family units and things like that and belonging and identity, they think it's important. It really, really is. It really, really is important. So family is part of God's big solution and God actually invites us to be a part of his family through adoption. It's not just a legal transfer, but it's actually an opportunity to be transformed as well. So it's not just technically you're in the family, but there's actually an opportunity for us to be transformed by belonging to God's family. Uh, So this isn't to deconstruct the uh, the validity and the importance of our actual families. They're really important. But this is a family that sits over the top of it. This is a family that sits over the top and we belong. And it's not just even this family here today. It's, it's It's the larger family of the people of God that I'm talking about here. It's to add to it. So with belonging to every family comes rights, responsibilities, benefits and privileges. Years ago, I was sitting 
in a gathering not that dissimilar to this and it was about to start and I was having a real bad day. There's a lot of emotions. You, I was a bit messed up. I was a bit confused about life. I didn't quite know who I was. I had a lot of really big wounds and needs. And as I was sitting there one day, um, a lady who knew me quite well walked past and she sort of did a double take and she said, are you okay? And I went, eh. And then she did the wildest thing. She leaned over, planted a kiss on my head and kept walking. Like this is a long time ago and I remember it to this very moment because it was just, oh, wow. If you could like make a video and zoom in to what was going on, it was like in my heart something was being stitched, in my brain new pathways were being formed and in, in my spirit God whispered, yes, my family does love you and so do I. And it was, it was amazing. So I wonder, I wonder if you've planted a kiss on anyone's forehead lately. Maybe not literally. <laughs> but if, if we are part of God's family, then we need to look at one another in that way. When we purchased our family table in our dining room, We've got the biggest table that you can imagine and we don't have the biggest table that you can imagine because, you know, like we're like a massive family unit that eats dinner together or because we want to sit separate from each other. Uh, it's because we want to invite more people in. So I'm, I'm just wondering about that whole, if you know that you are a part of this family, are you being a good brother? Are you being a good sister? Are you being a good aunt? Are you caring for your cousins? I wonder, what are the responsibilities that come with being a part of this family? It might be like me sitting there before that lady planted a kiss on my head. My needs were greater than my ability to give to this family. I I had nothing to give. But she did and she participated in her role in God's family. I wonder if you're actually playing your part. When you have more than you need, buy a longer table, not a half fence. If you know that you know that you know that you know to the core of your being, like I do, that I belong to God's family, then what part are you playing? Because Mrs Tui... When she goes to the car and she opens the back door, what does she say? Make room, SJ. Make room. Because there are a lot more mics out there who still need to fit in. And I wonder what it will look like for you to move over and make room. Who will you invite to your table? Who will you plant a kiss on the forehead? Who will you ask how you're going? Whose name will you remember? What difference will it make in your life to belong to God's family? If you're somebody who has not yet decided that you do, who who doesn't know it to the core of your being, that you belong to his family, then I want to go back back to Big Mike. Do you have any place to stay? Get in. Come on. Get in. 
And then she says to Michael, when they're putting the sheets on the couch, do you want to stay? Do you want to stay with us? And he says, I've got no place else I want to be. If you've got no place else you want to be, then be in God's family. This family, not, not this mob here, but God's wider family, they formed me. They transformed me. They stitched me back together. They rewired me. Belonging to God's family transformed my life. When they're in the bedroom and she's telling him about you've got a desk and you've got drawers and you've got a bed and he says, I've never had one before. And she says, what, a bedroom? She says, no, a bed. There is a place in God's family for you. You don't have to be lost. You don't have to be homeless. And when they're sitting at the table and they say, we want to be your legal guardians. We want to know if you want to be part of this family. And he says, I kind of thought I already was. I love that. Because actually the reality is you are. You may not have recognised it. You may not know it to the core of your being. But just like I was adopted, you too have been adopted into this family and you can belong. So I wonder about this idea of living, sorry, should have gone through those, um, of living with a conviction. Do you know that you know? Do you know that God is good? Do you know that you belong? And if you know you belong, what part are you playing? And if you don't, come on. Come on. Band's going to come up. We're actually going to sing a song. It's actually talking about this exact topic. And it has the line in it, I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we actually, um, you know, we we, kind of know at a surface level, but we haven't embedded it deeply into our being. We haven't understood it deeply into our lives. And so I'm wondering if you would like to listen to this song. And if you want to say, yes, I am, then say it. If you're not sure, then maybe ask God, is this for me? Because this was God's plan all along, that we, are, that we be part of his family and that we be precious to him. It was his plan all along. So we're going to sing. Actually, we're going to listen to Peter sing it. Uh, And if you want to join in in your hearts, you can.